Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. We are thankful to be gathered together. Thankful that the sun will rise again just like it has every morning. We are thankful, Lord, that even though we're an hour early and not feeling as awake as we might feel otherwise, that we still have an opportunity to come to worship you, to seek your face, maybe with a few less distractions this morning. And so, Lord, I ask that as we hear your word, as we sing your praises, Lord, as we spend some time with you, that you would guide our hearts, encourage us, Strengthen us. Challenge us to be better followers of you. Lord, as we prepare to walk the path to Calvary in this Lenten season, may it remind us to rethink our faith. That we might grow deeper and stronger and closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning the passage is out of Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. I know this is a, this is a, a passage, but it's also a story. And I want you to hear the story this morning. There's four, well there's, there's really four main characters in this passage. There's the mother of Zebedee, that's Salome. There's her two boys. You might have heard of those guys, right? I'm not going to tell you who they are, you'll have to figure that out. And and there's Jesus. And I want you to hear the story for what it is. Verse 20 through 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, ask a favor of him. What is it that you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right, and the other may sit at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit on my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Then the ten heard about this. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the other two brothers. Jesus called to them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to first, who wants to be first, must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. May God add his blessing to the reading as we continue singing. Lord, the sacrifice that you have put forth for each of us. It's amazing. 
is nothing short of amazing. May we quiet our hearts and listen for your voice. That in the few moments, Lord, that we get to hear from you, that we would pay careful attention to what you have to say to us today. May it guide our paths as we move forward. In your name we pray. Amen. May be seated. And the herd is allowed to go. Dun, 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 dun. That's you, Lou. He wasn't sure if he was the herd. <laughs> he wasn't sure he heard. He wasn't sure he heard me. Yes, good one. Though. That's exactly what it was. Not funny, but I'm fast. So we have begun the Easter season. Did you know that? I wanted to let you know. It may still have snow on the ground, but we have started towards the cross. We are in our 40 days of reflection. If you, uh, uh, if you follow the Lenten schedule, we are, last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, and we talked about um, some ideas and some things to think about as we walk through this season. And as we, uh, as we work through this season, I pray that you will contemplate that sacrifice that was made on the cross. And for, our, uh, for the next six weeks, we are going to talk about different people that Jesus encountered in the last few weeks of his life on earth. The people that crossed his paths as he walked to Calvary. We will talk about uh, things like salvation, about the path of life, the path of courage, the path of discipleship and disappointment. Today we're going to look at the path of service, or what it means to serve other people. We're at a moment in the scripture, an exciting moment. I realize that it's a little early for some. I realize that 8.30 is a little early for some, right? And then we had to turn our clocks ahead. That's not for... I love the morning, so this is even better for me. I think if you guys would just show up at like 5 in the morning, this would be great. <laughs> Do you realize my wife's not here? <laughs> she said, I'll see you second service. <laughs> Yes, it would. She, uh, she's not a big fan of getting up early either, so she stayed home. <laughs> but I do have, uh, Steffi's here today, if you get a chance to see Steffi Waldo. It's exciting to see her. Uh, tell her uh, show her some love while she's here uh, for the week, so that's awesome. It's awesome to see her. Um, but this passage that we're talking about, there's a lot of things going on. The buzz has begun. Jesus and the disciples are working their way to the cross and there's this, you know when an orchestra plays and you get towards the middle and towards the end, there's this crescendo, it's coming, right? And there's this excitement that's happening in the city. There's excitement going on. They're preparing for a feast. There's a lot of things going on and a lot of noise. And disciples are starting to show up and they can see where things are moving. And things are moving forward rather rapidly. And I think... It'd be one of those areas of your life where you're in a town and, of course, the disciples, they've been with Jesus for now three years and they've gotten over the initial 
shock of being with him, and they've really started to, to understand, or so they think, to understand what's about to happen. And so they're kind of figuring it out, or at least they think they're figuring it out, right? And in this passage, Salome does what every good mom would do, right? She does what every good mom would do. She wants what's best for her boys. She wants them to be in ranking position. Now, mind you, they had given up three years of their life to go with Jesus. They have made a career change to follow Jesus. And so obviously in the background, there's something going on in the story that we didn't or weren't party to, right? Because Salome asked the question, can you do me a favor? But the boys answer the question when Jesus asks, can you drink my cup? So obviously they're right there. She's well-meaning, she means well, and very well-intentioned, but in her limited humanness, she falls short. She thinks this ideal of, of serving others is to sit on either side of Jesus in his new kingdom. And that's where the mistake is made, right? She, in her mind, believes that Jesus is about to overthrow the government. And he'll be in charge. And there's got to be a guy on either side. There's got to be someone to help him. And why wouldn't it be good if James and John were to sit there? Well-meaning mom? I, 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 I can't fault her for that. Uh, but I can fault myself for losing a, my paper. Thanks, Kenny. She wants her boys to be in these positions of power. And so I think she believes that if I ask Jesus separately behind the scenes, maybe I can get a few brownie points. Mind you, these guys have, they have gone alongside. They have offered their lives in sacrifice. They have been servants following Jesus around, taking care of the duties that were needed. They understood what was going on, or so they and so I'm sure what she thought was, this is not all that far out of range. This is what a good mother would do. I might as well commit their jobs if I can get them a spot before anyone else asks. When it happens, they will have their spot next to Jesus. The problem here is that she doesn't understand what the kingdom looks like. Right? As we watch, as you re if you read through the Gospels, you'll find that the word kingdom is, is loaded in there. And everyone that is with Jesus thinks that this kingdom will be an earthly kingdom, not a heavenly kingdom. And she doesn't understand that. She doesn't understand that this heavenly kingdom won't look like an earthly overthrow and running of the area of the... Uh, area that they lived. 
she was trying to get them a spot in the government, but she didn't fully understand. See, we live in a world that's trying to get what we can get and help other people. And I asked this question to you about the pay it forward movement that is going on in the world today. Who does it honor? Who does the pay it forward movement honor? If you watch the if you watch the the countdown timer, I hope you got what was behind that countdown timer. There was a young man helping people. That is actually a life insurance countdown. That was really odd. Like if that, that that was odd to me, but that was a life insurance. And mind you, I put the verse on the end. That wasn't was a, it was a life insurance uh, commercial about you will be happy if you help enough people. And one of the things I think that uh, this the world we live in has tried to do is tried to figure out how to be happy, how to fill that hole, which I say is a God shaped hole in our lives by paying it forward. And I have nothing, I want you to understand, I have nothing against the pay it forward movement. I, I, I think it's okay. Uh, the question I have to ask myself is, who does it honor? What is it designed to do? See, because sometimes we have the best intentions and it still doesn't turn out the way we want it to turn out. Mom, Salome, had the best intentions for her boys, but it didn't turn out the way she thought it would turn out. Now, I understand being a parent, watching my kids do something, being successful. How exciting would it have been for her to see Jesus and a boy on each side? But Jesus does what he always does. If you don't notice in the Gospels, I want you to to pay special attention. He does what he always does. He flips it upside down and he turns it around before they even know what happens. His questions are spot on. And he ends up confusing those people and we spend lots of time thinking about what he said. Jesus explains what the new kingdom will look like. He explains that service will be what the new kingdom looks like. That serving other people is what matters most. And the first part, the, the first thing he tells him is that it will, it will cost them something. Do you think, he says in verse 21, what is it, oh, verse 22, you do not know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? What do you think? I, I can't help but believe that they thought, yeah, I can sit in a nice, uh, easy chair next to you and drink that cup. Not understanding what he meant. I think one of the things that we struggle as Christians is we, we make Christianity seem easy. We make Christianity seem too easy. And then as soon as someone becomes a believer and they have struggles, they say, well, obviously this Christianity thing isn't working. Because if it was working, I wouldn't have any more problems. I'm here to tell you Christianity is 
hard. It's not the easy way out. And if your walk of faith is that easy, then you need to check yourself. One thing I have learned in this job is that a real, genuine walk of faith is not easy. It's not cozy. It's not soft. And that's what Jesus is saying in this passage. He said, you think you're going to sit in that nice, pretty chair. We have a couple of them out back. Those real, I should have brought one in. One of those real fluffy, nice backs, uh, cozy chair. That's not what you're going to sit in. You're going to drink the cup of pain and sorrow and suffering. And you won't drink the whole cup. He said, he says you'll have a taste of that cup, right? Oh, by the way, if you want to join the church, we're doing that in two weeks, right? <laughs> oh, that, okay, that was a serious note. You were supposed to laugh at that, but Christianity is hard. The walk of faith is a challenge. And I wonder sometimes if we don't count that cost. How flippantly do we say things like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be able to do this and God, God will, or how, I wonder how flippantly we ask God for things thinking that he's going to take care of that, um, not really thinking through the words we say. Do you realize that James and John, the two boys who were going to sit beside, uh, it says in Acts 12 uh, that James was killed for his faith, beheaded. John, tortured and exiled on the island of Patmos. They drank the cup. There's this passage in uh, 2 Corinthians that says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The struggle with this verse, I know the struggle with this verse, we don't feel like the pain and struggles that we go through are light and momentary, right? I used to have a boss that always said, this too will pass. And I surely did not like that. <laughs> because it was never, ever, ever fast enough. It was never, ever fast enough. I can't help but think about the crown of thorns that Jesus would wear. His act of service to each one of us. Secondly, you need to contemplate your motives. Ask yourself, why do I serve other people? When I go to do a project, why do I do it? What is it that drives me to do something for someone else? I think that's a hard question because I've been married for 29 years. And I know that sometimes I do things for the wrong reason. Even well intended. I do things for something in return. You? I think that's what Jesus is asking why? Why do you want to be on one side or the other? What is it that is driving you to be on my left and my right? 
We need to contemplate those motives when we're serving others. Jesus says in verse 23, You will indeed drink from my cup, but for you to sit on my left or my right is not for me to grant. Those places have been prepared for my Father. There's the nice chair. Right? I like that chair. I like that chair better than the chair of pain and suffering. They had served God, or served Jesus in this path that they had been walking to Calvary. And now they expected a return. They expected a nice, cozy seat when things were going to go down and that Jesus would take over. This passage is challenging to me. It's not challenging to me uh, for any other reason than it reminds me who I really am. My heart. You can change the, the heart to my heart. My heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Your heart is desperately wicked. You know... I struggle because I can't believe that I'm bad enough to need someone to die on a cross for me. I think that's the struggle of the Christian faith, right? I'm bad-ish. I cause trouble-ish. I do some things that aren't right-ish. But if I do enough service, if I do enough helping someone else, surely there's a scale that will help to even that out. And I'll be on the good side of it. But I believe that that's how our thought process works when we work to serve other people. And that's what Jesus is saying. You need to think about the motives that are behind the way and why you serve other people. Are you serving other people to find something for yourself? Or are you serving other people to follow hard after Christ. There's only one, one healing in our life. And that's a walk of faith with Jesus. There are lots of other ideas. That's why the pay it forward moment, the uh, paper thing has been running through my mind all week. I watch these uh, programs and uh, man's idea to try to make it right in their own life. If I buy a coffee, and I don't have a problem, I honestly do not have a problem with any of that except for the motives that are behind it. If I buy a coffee for the person in front of me or behind me, somehow I now am in right standing with God. That's where my problem is with the pay it forward moment, movement. If I'm doing it to worship God so that He gets the glory, then I'm all for it. Contemplate the motives of the service that you are doing. Matthew uh, 16 talks about uh, whoever wants to be my disciple. Whoever wants to follow me must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, we'll find it. 
What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and lose their soul? Finally, real service requires understanding that there is power found in serving other people. This idea is counterintuitive, is it not? It's kind of the opposite of what we think. The idea that if I give up everything, if I give my time, my energy, my finances, and those things, somehow I'll be stronger. The world says, take everything you can get and run. Jesus says, I want you to do everything the opposite of the world. He said, whoever wants to be first must be last. You know what that means? If you want to be in the highest position, serve others. Serve them when it's inconvenient. Serve them when it's uncomfortable. Serve them when it's uncommon or uncharacteristic. Serve them when it's unfair. Serve people when it's messy. Serve people when no one else will. Serve them when it's dirty and sweaty and exhausting. And I don't get any recognition for what I did. Serve them until it hurts. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Don't serve them when you're going to get the accolades from someone. Serve them when no one sees it. He says, if you want to be high in my kingdom, serve people until it hurts. The walk of faith is not easy, especially if you're doing it the right way. I want to share with you a, a really cool service project that has been going on a couple years here. And I would say that probably most of us have heard about it. Some of us have helped with it, but I don't think we fully understand how big the project is. Uh, these are some kids from the Wattsburg School District, and you may remember that uh, Ron uh, Gibbons uh, was a teacher there forever. And, <laughs> right, Ron? <laughs> Felt like forever, right? <laughs> and the, coolest, the cool project is that there were classes without the things that were needed uh, to go to school. They had, they had stuff, but they didn't always have everything that was needed to make for the best classroom. And so they started this idea, this project that... Uh, we would begin to help those classes. Even though we couldn't get into the school, um, we would show them the love of Jesus through this project. And so these are some of the pictures of some of the kids. There's some boxes in the background. Um, I, I need you to understand how big this was, because I didn't until yesterday. There are 525 students in the elementary school. That's a pretty big chunk of kids. There were two truckloads plus of supplies that went to the school this past uh, uh, September. That's a big project. There's another uh, picture of, uh, of some kids. 
What's cool about that project is we probably didn't, as a group, understand how big it was or how far-reaching it was. I know Connie just told me that she just now got some more thank you cards <laughs> from some of those kids. Uh, it's now springtime. That was four months ago. We're not sure if they got lost or what happened, but we got them. So it doesn't matter. It's really cool. Now, we didn't do it. I hope we didn't do it for those thank you cards, right? I hope we didn't do it so we would get more thank you cards. I'm pretty sure we didn't. We did it to glorify God. That God would get the glory at the end of the day. That our faith would be shown at the end of the day. And so I have to ask you this question. As we walk the walk of faith to Calvary, I'll ask you to reflect on the things that you do for other people. To reflect on those things and to think about why you do them. To think about the cost that is included in them. Jesus cost, it cost Jesus his whole life. He sacrificed his whole life in service for us. And finally, if you want to live the victorious Christian life, I believe it starts somewhere really close to serving other people. I believe that because I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've watched other people. I think about the saints in my life. And I'm sure you've got saints in your life, right? There are people who you say, there's got to be an extra special place for them in heaven because God loves them maybe more than me, right? And then ask yourself, what was it about those people that make the difference? And I can't help but think that those people were the people who always made time for me. Who always did the extra step. Who always went the extra mile. Who always put God first. Those people were most powerful because they served God with their whole heart. They didn't wait until they got retired. They didn't wait until something in their life changed. They didn't wait until they had it all figured out. They just went and served other people. That is the challenge in this passage for me, and hopefully the challenge for you. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning realizing that Salome wanted what was best but didn't fully understand that. She thought a, a spot sitting next to Jesus on the, th on the throne of this earthly kingdom would solve the problem. And yet, Lord, in her humanness, like our humanness, she missed it. Her intentions absolutely pointed in the, the right direction. But the reality is that she missed the boat. And we too, Lord, miss, understand the walk of faith. And so, Lord, I ask that this morning as we spend time uh, singing your praises, that you would remind us 
that the service we do is in service to the King. May you get the glory for each and everything we do. In your name we pray. Amen.